Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Hop Harvest continues in the Pacific Northwest, and this week, Kevin Quinn of Bale Breaker Brewing in Washington sits down to talk about the 2022 harvest, brewing fresh hopped beers, and finding new ways to get brewers hops. But first, All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Go visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. Check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for more audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to the shows that are now available, including the All About Beer podcast with M. Souter and Don Tess, a beer traveler show with Andy Crouch, and the Brewer to Brewer podcast, which runs every other week and features brewers, well, yeah, talking to brewers. We're able to bring you this show each week. Thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. Learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. And speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by New Holland Brewing. Did you know that the term dragon's milk has been around since the 17th century? It was used to describe potent ales and elixirs that were worthy of celebration, a reward at the end of a hero's journey. New Holland Brewing Company is proud to continue that tradition today with Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel Aged Stout, clocking in at a robust 11% ABV and featuring notes of roasted malt, chocolate, and vanilla. The legend of Dragon's Milk continues to grow, and we'll raise a glass to that. Learn more and find Dragon's Milk near you at dragonsmilk.com. And why not head to Colorado next month? You should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting, which is happening on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion, featuring America's top craft breweries pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause where you get to try beers you won't find elsewhere and meet the men and women who brewed them. You can find more information at pintsforprostates.org. In the 1920s, when the practice was more common, Megan Quinn's ancestors followed the railroad west and wound up settling a farm in Washington's Yakima Valley. Following the repeal of Prohibition, they got into the hop industry and have ridden the wave since, supplying the larger brewers through the, well, uninspired decades of large-scale American brewing and into the boom days of today's craft industry. Seeing the success of hops in the larger market coupled with an interest in home brewing, Quinn, along with her husband, Kevin, and her brothers launched Bale Breaker Brewing on the property in 2013. And Kevin Quinn is my guest today. How close is the brewery to the field? Well, it takes less than five minutes to get from Bine into the kettle, he says. And it's more than hops growing around here as well. There's an apple orchard on the nearly 3,000-acre farm, along with fields of Hungarian wax peppers, some hemp, and 2021 marked the third barley harvest. Last year, they processed more than 200,000 pounds of barley, some of which went into bale breaker beers. There's a real sense of pride that comes with growing ingredients where they are and used, and it's clear from the steady stream of visitors that come through not only during this season, but year-round, that drinkers and other brewers feel the same way. Here's our conversation. So we're at, what, the halfway point of harvest season right now, thereabouts? Uh, Yeah, pretty close to halfway through. We... Um, up here at the original farm, Loftus Ranches, we start a little bit later. We don't really have any 
super early hops. Um, the first hops we pick are Simcoe up here. So we started August 31st. Okay. We should be done somewhere between like the 20, 26th and 28th, 28th of September. Okay. And then down at the new the newer farm um, down in Granger, we started like three or four days before that. Okay. And we'll be done in a couple of days. Are you getting a handle on what the yield is looking like this year? Is there a, a, a good sense? Yeah. The mature stuff is looking pretty decent, pretty average. The baby stuff is pretty small. We had a um, very unusually cool spring. And so the babies that, that were planted in, in the spring didn't really fill out. Um, if you want silver linings, it makes for quick picking, but, uh, there's, yeah, not, but that's, there's not a big yield. Yeah. That's, I, I don't think you'd want quick pickings, right? Is that? Yeah. No, you, yeah. We like big full, uh, hops that you got to slow down the picking machine so the cleaner can keep up. But yeah, it's, I think for us on our farm, it'll be, you know, somewhere, right in the neighborhood of the historic average maybe a little maybe a little higher maybe right at it nothing um we've had some pretty big years the last few years and so it won't be it won't be anything like that but quality is very good we smell every uh we smell every bailing room sample that we bail at, at both farms so even if we're not selecting those hops we still sniff them yeah. just to just to see, um, quality's good, aroma's good, um, yeah, but. I know uh, the last couple of years, there's been the worry of the fires, and obviously yesterday, between the smoke in the air and the rain, there was a lot of nervous looking upwards and looking to the fields. Did What was the day like yesterday like for you? Yeah, I mean, we... I think it needs a longer exposure than, than what we've had now. I mean, we had a huge fire like 20 miles down the road last year. We didn't see any, any smoke taint in ours. Um, I think just this really short window of it. And honestly, compared to how bad it was last year, this isn't like, this isn't that bad. Yeah. Um, and I think too, it's, it's not necessarily what it's doing while it's hanging in the fields and stuff. It's just how, how smoky is it around where your where your kiln is and stuff because you're out in the field there's still 75 percent moisture we're we're drying them down to nine or ten percent so you're driving a lot of air and a lot of heat through that bed of hops and i think it more that's where you're i think you're picking up that smoke taint is yeah. getting it sucked in as what's supposed to be fresh air blowing through there is you know heavy smoke i think that's where you can see some smoke taint. Um, and I don't think it was like prolific or anything last year talking to the other brewers and stuff, you know, they would say, Oh yeah, you know, one lot here or one lot there. We were picking up some smoke, but on a whole, um, they were still clean, clean smelling hops. That this is even part of the conversation now. Um, and I'm not trying to be alarmist because you know, it, 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 I, I don't think that it's at that level yet, but there's certainly, more awareness when it comes to these fires that seem to be coming more regularly or yeah. weather patterns changing where you know you do get rain events during harvest where that typically didn't happen in the past where does your mind go for 
not just this year, but next year and five years and 10 years from now as to what may need to be done? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, a, that's a big concern for, you know, anyone that makes their money based on like what nature's going to <laughs> going to give you. Yeah. So on the, on the farm level, um, we've already started kind of, you know, conservation efforts. We already do, you know, drip lines. Um, we, you know, use less pesticides and insecticides and herbicides and stuff like that, that we're, that we're already doing. Um, largest, um, one of the largest solar panel, um, installations like privately owned is on is on Loftus ranches on all all of the buildings there so uh, we got a lot of renewable energy there and then us as as brewers too I mean yeah. we're working on conserving water side streaming using less co2 you know all all the things we can but yeah I mean getting getting warmer and more fires and that stuff um, not good um, <laughs> I'm sure that they're would be a point where it was bad. I mean, this year, honestly, these these fires that just started are like our first big ones we've had of the year. Where in the last few years, you know, it's like from like July on, there's been there's Constant been smoke smoke. Yeah. smoke in the air. So we're pretty lucky. I mean, here where we are uh, and where we get our 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 water, kind of, we're still probably at like the very southern end of like the North Cascades. Yeah, and in terms of like snowpack and precipitation and stuff, we're, we're still pretty good, like way better than, you know, once you get into like Southern Oregon and, and California and stuff like that, where they're seeing those severe droughts. So we got a ton of, um, snow and precipitation late, like in April and stuff, which I think is one of the reasons that it, the, our fire season held out. Okay. We had more snow and we had more snow in the mountains in April than we did like in January and February. Combined. Huh. Okay. So, uh, and we were over 100% snowpack, so the water um, was, you know, no one, everyone gets their full water rights. Yeah. So that's been good. Um, so we we have been lucky that we're like this far north, and we're not seeing those huge shortages and and the and the really bad drought conditions. You know, Yakima, you know, the Yakima Valley is a high desert anyway. So, I mean, we typically see like around eight inches of precipitation is average. So mm-hmm. we're used to being very dry. Yeah. As, as, so it, it, as you think about what you're doing in house, I mean, there's obviously going to be forces outside of the brew house that you just can't control at, at, at this point. Um, do you wind up having conversations with other brewers who come through from other parts of the country about, what's happening here or, you know, long-term concerns or long-term thoughts and anything that they can do as they head back home? Um, yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all always talking. I think, you know, those, those brewers in the, in the Southwest and stuff, we end up learning a lot of stuff from them because, you know, they're just (laughs) further along in this water shortage. They're they're, they're a little drier. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, but I mean, as an industry, as a whole, I think the majority of us are, are trying to be conscious about that because brewing is like a water heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and not takes, just for beer. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot of barrels of water to make one barrel of beer. So, um, yeah, being, being cognizant of it and, and doing stuff. But I mean, even short, short little things like, 
you know, making sure that you put a timer on, like, while you're rinsing a tank and stuff. Like, you forget that, and we have 80 PSI and an inch and a quarter oh, God. Um, line. I mean, you yeah. can put a whole bunch of water in a tank real fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so little stuff like that, and then, and then especially on, like, the CO2 side, we we have all like automated timers on it so you can't forget it okay it's like we set it and it opens and it purges the tank and then after you know a certain amount of time that valve automatically closes so you can't like forget and then purge a tank like all night yeah <laughs> which has happened in the past <laughs> yikes um there's a lot of focus on fresh hop wet hop beers this time of year and i mm-hmm. want to talk about that in a minute but for the rest of the year when you're brewing and you're thinking about the hops that you've harvested and being literally on the farm. Is, is there a sense of place that you carry into the beers from even outside of this, this window that we're in right now? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've always wanted to showcase hops. I mean, it's kind of crazy to to think about now considering where we are with all the IPAs and hazy IPAs and cold IPAs and, everything else that's that's going on now but when we were i mean when we were first talking about this in in 20 you know like 2010 somewhere in that that range people were still saying like i don't like hoppy beers and they were (laughs) and they were meaning that we were kind of at that arms race of like how many ibus could you get in it at that point and so such a silly point to to look back now on that of just how ridiculous that was yeah it was like this one's 151 ibus yeah you know, it's like somebody comes out with the thousand yeah and it's like yeah that's not yeah. a thing um but you know we always wanted to open the brewery to, to showcase like the versatility of hops and that hot hoppy doesn't just mean bitter and now like saying that it, it you know 10 12 years later of where we are um is is kind of silly but we've always wanted to show, showcase the hops we have our um, homegrown series, which we'll actually be releasing um, our fresh hop version of that tomorrow. But we started growing barley as well. Um, I think this was our fourth year. Uh, so the homegrown series is 100% of the ingredients, all the, all the barley and, and all the hops um, we grow ourselves. And then um, Great Western Malting and uh, out of Vancouver, Washington, and Link Malting out of Spokane, yeah. Washington, malt the uh, malt the barley for us. So that one we have a little bit more focus on, like barley. It might not, you know, it has more of like a a malt backbone than than a lot of our other beers. But we're like the signature of Breaker beers is, <laughs> and my brother and Law and I talk about this a lot. It's like they're a little drier than the average style is going to be, and they're going to be a little hoppier than the average style is. And so, I mean, I think that goes for our, I mean, everywhere from like our Pilsner to our Imperials is like the same way. Yeah. There has been a, by and large, a lot of the beers that are being made are following a, in the hazy IPA arena. Um, sort of a formulaic recipe of you know, some version of citra mosaic and a few other things thrown in here and there yeah. and, 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 and that kind of thing. And there are consumers that flock to those beers for those profiles. So when you're talking about being, you know, a little maltier, a little happier, you know, where you have these, 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 these senses of place 
that's just slightly askew from maybe the norm yeah. for, for better or worse and yeah. probably worse. Um, um, is that a difficult conversation to have with certain drinkers? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, in, in a in a time now where people just like the demand for like new is so crazy that it's just like, oh yeah, this is a you know our year-round hazy IPA actually uses uh, Sabra, which is um, has a lot different characteristics than like your Citra Mosaic, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, so I think. And it's a lot, and it finishes out a lot drier than um, most most hazy, especially kind of East Coast. Um, that East Coast hazy that typically has a has a higher finishing gravity than, than what we would have in our beers. I mean, that beer still still finishes in like the low two platos, like yeah. two point two something like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't think so now. I mean, it was it was harder when we were first opening, and you know. We had a, you know, Field 41 Pale Ale, and we opened with Field 41 Pale Ale and Top Cutter IPA, and Field 41 Pale Ale was a 4.5% alcohol Pale Ale that was hopped at 3.2 pounds per barrel. Okay. And it was like, and in 2013, like, that wasn't that common. <laughs> yeah. Um, jumping back to Sabro, aside from it finishing drier, what is it that that it, about that hop that appeals to you? Yeah, do you get more of, like, this this kind of, like, pina colada, coconut, kind of pineapple um, flavors and, and aromatics from it. Um, and so that's just, just very different than, you know, especially your your big citra hazies that when you throw it in during fermentation, you get a little biotransformation and, you know, they all seem to kind of funnel down to like that big orange, you know, flavor that we didn't want our beer to, to taste like all the other ones. We, we also like have it go through the same clarifying process that we do with our, even our Pilsner. And so it's a very stable haze that's in there. Um, and so there's, you know, there's no yeast and no hops and nothing else left in it. It's just, it's just a nice haze. So it's, it, it feels very light on the palate too for a hazy. I know that sounds weird to say, but, um, it is. Okay. But and but has that come from trial and error? Like to yeah. to, to to again, I think that, that that sort of is a good representation of how you guys are doing things your own way, or just you know different because, yeah, yeah, we're of where you are. We're very um, we're very slow to like roll out new beers. I would say, and in in an industry that I think is is very dynamic and there's always new beers and new things and you know you look at like the top 50 beers in the IRI and it's like half of them weren't around like whatever it was three or five years ago I can't remember the exact stat but it's something like that um but yeah for our hazy um our hazy IPA hazy L we we had that in in R&D for like just over a year and a half before we released it so i don't know how many batches we did of it but a lot um and then kind of the same it was the same thing with the pilsner the pilsner was closer to like two years and then we brought in some horizontal lagering tanks because um we wanted to do it traditionally but now some of the bless you for that but yeah yeah larger european uh breweries that 
uh, specializing loggers have come in and <laughs> let us know that our tanks aren't nearly tall enough to, to pose any problem for vertically loggering. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was that done in a friendly way or yeah, sort yeah. of a, okay. Yeah. Um, Sly laugh. Yeah. No, no, it, it was, uh, I actually wasn't here. I was, I was traveling, uh, last week brewing some, uh, fresh up beers in, uh, Hawaii and Alaska. And so my wife, Megan was, who also founded the, the brewery with, uh, myself and, and her younger brother, Kevin, um, she was giving a tour to him and she was like, yeah, we have these two, um, horizontal lagering tanks, but then, you know, the, luckily the beer was taken off. Um, and now we need to do it in the vertical tanks. And we were a little worried about, you know, if there's going to be any effect on the lagering. And I guess he looked at it and said, what is this about five, six meters, which, which it is, it's like a 21 foot tall tank. And he's like, nope. Yeah, no, the pressure and stuff. And, nope. You want to, you won't have a problem with that. Not nearly tall enough to pose any problems. <laughs> so. With everything that you have to do at this time of year with Harvest and the excitement of people coming in from around the country and around the world, what's that balance like between, okay, like we're, we're running a real farm here and there's you know, real things that we have to do mm-hmm. and everybody's coming in and they're you know, excited about you know, picking but also partying a little bit maybe or just you know, yeah. like having... Like, you know, you're not just the normal brewer who's here. You're the brewer who also has a working farm that the rest of the industry is going to be relying on later on this year. Yeah. Luckily, us included and the rest of the beer industry doesn't have to worry about, like, us actually uh, <laughs> doing the harvesting and farming. I mean, uh, the farm team at, at Loftus Ranches is is great and yeah. we've had guys there uh my older brother-in-law pat runs it now and with uh, uh my father-in-law mike and we have such a good team that they're they're up there we don't uh megan kevin and i run the farm and then pat or excuse me run the brewery and then uh pat and mike run the farm so luckily we you don't can have to silo do, it out a little yeah. bit yeah and so we do a lot of tours and stuff and then um we like I mentioned earlier, we we are doing like selection almost daily or every other day, uh, especially this time of year when we're going from Simcoe, you know, to Laurel to Citra. Then we'll get into Mosaic. Um, all those are uh, big hops from for us in terms of usage. And so, um, well, I don't know. We probably have we've probably already sniffed. 14, 16 lots of citra, and we still got some more. How, how do you keep your your senses sharp for all of that? Uh, we have a great sensory manager here, Jackie, um, and she uh, she's actually out on maternity leave. Her and her husband had their, their first baby, a baby boy, so congrats to them. Yeah. But uh, there are, there's, like, sensory kits that she puts in, and we'll – sniff them and then and then (laughs) there's like a test on it it's like you know what is this aroma and you have to uh do it i don't know if i've ever actually passed or failed it but i guess i still get a i still you still still get get my say but (laughs) um but yeah that's how we do it what do you look for when using citra 
Like what? Because there's there's it, it can show at different times depending on when it was picked. Or, sure. Yeah. It, uh, what do you like? Yeah. So for us, we like that kind of bright citrus that you get off it. But we also we also like early harvest Simcoe, which has a lot of like grapefruit citrus in it. And so we're we tend to go to a little later in the window on citra where you still get some some good um you know citrus on it and the, and the big grapefruit that it's known for but then maybe um also getting into that like slight og like we don't want it to be what we would call like i don't know i guess like a dirty hop or anything but yeah. um we want it we want it just on the typically a little bit of the later end, like a more more mature, not that just clean, straight citrus, because that's kind of what we have Simcoe for. And then for us, when we get into Mosaic, that's like our, that's like the hop that we want, like the dank and the OG. And it's like, that's the one that like, you know, that's what we typically use that for. And then the Mosaic too, we're also looking to get like, not just one or two, you know, the mosaic was called mosaic because like when it was going through sensory during, uh, breeding, it was like, everyone was putting different things. Like people were saying like citrus and blueberry and yeah. this and that and that. And so I remember tasting blueberry on the, some of the very first yeah. 369 trials that I had. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we go for a lot more complexity in, in that one. And I guess that would be a good way to just to describe the citra too. We want a little bit more complexity to it than, than just the, the straight citrus. The majority of hops that are, uh, picked this time of year will be dried and be used later on throughout the year and beyond. Um, yeah, 2023. But, yeah. yeah. But there's excitement for the fresh hop beers. And I feel like that that's grown, more and more and more over the last couple of years. And I want to ask you about the outreach program in a minute, but um, for you, what's the excitement and the allure of fresh hop? And, 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 and do you call it fresh hop or wet hop? Um, well, <laughs> I guess like behind the scenes, we call it wet hop, but that's just because um, of kind of like, who our our mentors were and stuff in the industry like Sierra Nevada and Russian River and stuff like that like yeah that they call it wet hop and so we've always we've always called it wet hop I think for the like once you get to the consumer side there's a lot of confusion between what fresh and wet hops are and I think that the industry has you know kind of chosen to go with fresh hop so when we're talking about it like consumer facing we just say fresh hop but for us, it's like, it's hard not to say wet hop because yeah. that's how we've been saying wet hops for, okay. you know, I remember Steve or Steve, uh, Ken Grossman said like wet hops are not dried hops and fresh hops are like, they're like the first hops that come off the, off the field. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, and even if you look at the, the GABF like definition of what, uh, fresh hot beer can be yeah. like it can be a dried whole cone sample like or it can be a freshly made pellet like it can be wet like there's a lot there's a lot more meanings to fresh hop than than just the actual wet hop but that is by and far like what 99.9 percent of the consumers use so yeah to 
limit confusion. Like we we go with with fresh hop publicly. Okay. More in a moment. But if you'd like to help keep the show on the air, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com and we'll let you know about our advertising options. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by New Holland Brewing. Did you know that the term dragon's milk has been around since the 17th century? It was used to describe potent ales and elixirs that were worthy of celebration, a reward at the end of a hero's journey. New Holland Brewing Company is proud to continue that tradition today with dragon's milk bourbon barrel aged stout. Clocking in at a robust 11% ABV and featuring notes of roasted malt, chocolate, and vanilla, the legend of Dragon's Milk continues to grow, and we'll raise a glass to that. Learn more and find Dragon's Milk near you at dragonsmilk.com. And now, back to the conversation with Kevin Quinn of Bailbreaker Brewing. So what's the, what do you like about these beers? I mean, one, you can only do it like this certain window, which is cool. And then I think I, I know for my brother-in-law, Kevin, as well, like there's a there's some unpredictability to it. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Okay. Where like you're, the rest of the year, it's like, you know, we're using extract for bittering. Like that's like very tried and true. It's like, we know on the lower ABV beers we're doing first wort hopping with Simcoe. Like, we know what's going to happen there. Like, we know how our hops react in this. And then we're b- brewing the same beers over and over again. Um, that it's like, hmm, like, and we don't get to choose what field, right? We just know that, like, if we want to do Citra, we can look at the harvest schedule and know when it's going to be. But, like, we don't. Yeah. We don't know exactly what the, the aromatics are going to be. And so, you know, it's like you get it, you smell it, and then it's like, okay, and then – um and it's a very northwest regional thing right because if you look at washington washington 75 percent of the u.s hops roughly 30 percent of the world's hops and then you add in idaho and oregon and you're like at something like 97 or 98 percent of the u.s hop production so yeah. like and you need to be pretty close or you need a way to get hops there fast yeah and so i think it also too just is like so core to like what Bailbreaker is as a brand. We're the only brewery located in a commercial hop farm and we're the only brewery that grows all their own hops. And so like it takes us like four minutes and nine seconds to get a cherry bin full of hops, drive it from the picking machine and put it into the, is is that an actual calculation of four minutes and nine seconds? It's pretty close. Okay. I mean, it might be, it's less than five minutes. Okay. It's more than four and less than five. Okay. Um, for a while, and I don't know if this is maybe five years ago, pre-pandemic, um, there were brewers around the country that were getting, uh, FedEx boxes, hundred, a couple hundred pounds, you know, FedEx freight and within 24 hours of picking yeah. and planning their brewers around it and you know, traffic delays and everything else sort of, you know, put, yeah. I don't know if that's still largely the case. I haven't heard too many people talking about that on, on social media this year, um, but you are part of a program to get fresh hops to the remotest of states. Yeah. So first part of your question. Yeah. Yes. If people do want to get all of our hops, go to Yakima Chief Hops. Okay. Um, so that's where we get all of our hops from. And yes, they do have a fresh hop program that you can order. You can order wet hops and they will, yeah, UPS or FedEx them or whatever. Yeah. And 
you know. I don't want to take away. If somebody's getting hops in like Alabama or something that have, that have been picked, is it going to be the same kind of beer as opposed to the less than five minutes? No, for, okay. it's definitely not. Gonna okay, be. so you're going to get a natural like degradation of hops of the of the fresh hops, wet hops. The longer they are from being picked, so the way that you can slow that down is by keeping them very cold and just getting them there really fast. And so. FedEx and UPS and stuff, whatever, that's great, right? That's that's a good option. It's going to get there fast. But then it's like, I know Yakima Chiefs had problems with like, oh, well, this 300 pounds that was going to XYZ Brewery got lost in whatever Memphis or wherever their headquarters are. Yeah. And then it sits in 90-degree heat in Memphis for a day when because they don't know it's there. And then it gets sent to the brewer. And then by then it's like, probably not going to be a great representation of what a wet hop is. Um, And so this uh, partnership with Alaska Airlines and and Yakima Chief really came up just just a couple months ago. And one of our brewers, Mike, was in the Air Force and and his uh, commanding officer uh, ended up taking a job at Alaska Airlines Cargo. Uh, His name's uh, Jake. And then so Jake and, and uh, I believe his boss, Adam, they reach out to us and say, hey, can we come? We just want to sit down. We're going to drive over from Seattle, come over, talk to you guys. We try to do these cargo alliance things where we highlight Northwest Industries and yada, yada, yada. And, and like our capability of like actually being really good at like shipping cargo. Like they ship thousands and thousands of tons of like fresh fish and seafood from Alaska down into Seattle and up and down the West coast and actually all over the country. And so like, they're like, is there something we can do with your beer? And obviously there's legal regulations to like what we have to do with beer. And so we said, no, there's not really a beer thing, but like you can ship hops around. Like that'd be pretty cool. And especially like you really want to highlight how good you can go like point to point, you know, SeaTac to Maui and get hops there in great condition, fresh hops. And then we can brew the first fresh hop beer that Maui Brewing's ever brewed. Yeah. Like they were like, cool. That sounds actually pretty fun. (laughs) Like we'll, uh, we'll talk to, you know, the higher ups and see if we can get this. Uh, and yeah, so Alaska airlines got on board and Yakima Chief is on board, and we ended up brewing with Maui Brewing in, in Maui last week, last Tuesday, and then last Friday we brewed in Anchorage, um, obviously where Alaska Airlines was founded. Yeah. And uh, Alaska Airlines randomly was founded the same year as our hop farm, both in 1932. Um, and so, yeah, last week we loaded up a few hundred pounds of uh, Simcoe and a new... Um, and a new hot product the Yakima Chief's doing, it's called Frozen Fresh Hop Cryo. They okay. actually take frozen, uh, like frozen wet hop pellets and then uh, concentrate them and make cryo pellets out of them. And okay. they keep them frozen. Uh, we should have some in the back, actually. Uh, and, we sent, and we sent that over to Maui and brewed on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, flew back to Seattle, then drove back to Yakima, then picked up my brother-in-law uh, we drove back over to SeaTac, hopped on a plane Friday morning, flew up to Anchorage, brewed all day in Anchorage, then Saturday morning, jumped back on the plane, flew down to 
SeaTac, and it was Grandma Pat's 90th birthday. It's her her parents who founded the farm in 1932, and she happened to be born in 1932. So that's a big we, year. We made Grandma Pat's 90th birthday and brewed wet hot beers in Hawaii and Alaska. Yeah, made drinkers there pretty happy. I imagine in the next yeah. couple of weeks. It was. Um, it's something that we take for granted, I think, and just like having this close of access to hops. And it was like, you know, yesterday we did two tours of the farm and like showed people all the, you know, all of our employees and stuff, the picking machines and stuff. And they're like, minds are blown. And we're like, okay, well, yeah, obviously my in-laws have seen it their whole life. And I've seen it now nearly the last 20 years. And it's kind of like, I don't want to say like we get desensitized to it, but it's just like, I guess we just know what it's supposed to be like, you know, and it's, and, but I mean, it was like the whole brew teams and staff were coming to like, can I rip open this fresh hop? Like, can I smell it? Like, this is what a fresh hop is, you know, cause typically they're just seeing it in like pellet form. Yeah. If they see it at all. Yeah. And so, um, it was just cool to see people like so excited <laughs> about something that, uh, I was telling my wife Megan, I was saying that, like, oh, I gotta try, like, <laughs> not to take this all for granted. Like, go, like, um, because, man, like, the people that don't see it all the time, it's really, like, blows their mind. Yeah. Um, there is a, I think, because of the name and because of the uh, limited window, um, there is a rush to drink these beers <clears throat> almost as quickly as they're available, right? So it's you know, two to three weeks after after you mash in that the, these these can be ready. Yep. Is that the best time to be drinking a fresh hop beer? Is it right off the line, or do you think that there's some benefit to a little bit of age? Oh, I definitely think it is because the beer ch- the beer changes. Like it's, it's something like going back to that unpredictability, like it's, it's interesting to, to drink fresh hot beers, like over a period of time. Um, cause you do have, I don't know, I don't know what it is about, you know, the use of the, the fresh hops in the beer that does that, but like they change. I mean, obviously we would say, you know, the fresher, the better, but I mean, if you get a four pack or a couple four packs, like putting one in the fridge for like a month and then trying it later is interesting because it got guarantee it's not going to taste it's like it change. did. Yeah. yeah. Do you do that? Yeah. I mean, we we luckily have it just because, you know, we'll we keep some for our well, sure sensory samples and yeah. stuff. But so. I mean, for fun, do yeah. you do that? Yeah. Is there a sweet spot for you? Are you opening these on Christmas? No. Uh, I mean, the longest. The longest time I've seen was, it was actually a keg, and we were up north of here in Wenatchee a few years ago. Well, way more than a few years ago. Um, It was not long after we had opened, so probably 2014, 2015. And at that time, our piled high recipe, the one beer that we've done every year since we opened, was a hundred percent wet hop beer. Okay. So like bittered with wet hops, like everything, everything through it. There wasn't a pellet that touched <laughs> it. Um, and we were doing an event like close to Thanksgiving and, or maybe it was just after, it was either just before or just after Thanksgiving. And we get there and the account is like super excited to see us. And he's like, I got a surprise for you. 
and he's like check up on the board and I look up there and it says piled high and I look at uh, John and was like oh no <laughs> and he was like this is how reputations are made <laughs> yeah. yeah and he was like it's I don't worry I've had it in my cooler he's like I got it like at the end of September when you guys sent it out I've been having it in here you know the whole time and I was like okay I'll try it and then you get a lot of you get not a lot but you get some haze typically with fresh hot beers for whatever yeah. reason and so I knew that that I knew that beer when I had it you know six weeks before that yeah or two months before that it was kind of hazy like kind of like a bodhisattva haze like not super uh, okay um and uh he pours it and it is dead clear like <laughs> I, I could have read an email through it and <laughs> I'm like then so I ask him to check it is that really the beer and we, we go back through and I'm like oh yeah sure enough it is and I tried it and it was super good but it didn't taste anything like it did before um and so I think is it is nice just to see what happens okay so what you're saying is hold on to these for the holidays <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that Maybe one can. Okay. Um, yeah, or a keg for a special occasion. Uh, be thankful for the harvest. Um, I know you got a busy day ahead of you, so I'm not going to keep you too much longer. But um, I've been asking folks on the show for a while now the green door question, which is there's a, I don't know if you're familiar with the television show The Good Place, but there is a, uh, a concept on that show of walking through a green door that will bring you anywhere that you want at any point in time. Uh, you can be with whoever you want to be with. Mm -hmm. So if there was a green door on our plane of existence and you could finish this conversation and walk through it and be at any pub or brewery anywhere in the world with whoever you wanted to be, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like in your glass? Ooh, man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I definitely know who I'd want to be with. I'd be, I'd be having a beer with my wife, Megan, hopefully not at this tap room, although I do love it. I don't know if there's anywhere else you can have a beer in the middle of a hop field, but we spend enough time here. Um, I would say probably, hmm, where would it be? We've had some good, we'd have some good beers in a, in a lot of places. Um, what brewery? I would say I'd probably have to say with Megan, uh, down in Santa Rosa, having a Pliny the Pliny the Younger at the original pub, the original Russian River. Yeah, yeah. It's a good answer. Thanks. It's good beer. It's a good. It's a good spot. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking some time in in the busy season and uh, you know uh, sharing some stories and getting me excited and everybody else excited about all these uh, fresh hops that are going to be out in the in the next week or so. so. Yes, ours uh, ours start rolling out tomorrow and they'll be available mostly throughout our distribution footprint, which is Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, and then definitely at our at our two pubs, we obviously have our tap room here at our production facility in Yakima, and then we opened a, 
um, a year ago, we opened a tap room in Ballard with some friends of ours as well, uh, Yonder Cider. Okay. So, so go there and drink yeah. it. Cool. Yep. The tap rooms are the only spot you'll be able to get all of our our pilot brew ones that are only like seven, eight barrel batches. Cool. Yeah. Drink them all. That's right. Cool. Thanks, Cam. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Cheers. What fresh hop have you already enjoyed? Let me know. You can email me. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com or get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. All About Beer is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just follow along at All About Beer. And of course, this weekend, Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TW Rauk Beer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by New Holland Brewing. Did you know that the term dragon's milk has been around since the 17th century? It was used to describe potent ales and elixirs that were worthy of celebration, a reward at the end of a hero's journey. New Holland Brewing Company is proud to continue that tradition today with dragon's milk bourbon barrel aged stout. It's clocking in at a robust 11% ABV and featuring notes of roasted malt, chocolate, and vanilla. The legend of dragon's milk continues to grow and will raise a glass to that. Learn more and find Dragon's Milk near you at dragonsmilk.com. Finally, just a reminder, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we hope you enjoy all of the shows that are on there. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And one more time, go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.